Welcome to 340B Insight from 340B Health. Hello from Washington, D.C., and welcome back to 340B Insight, the podcast about the 340B drug pricing program. I'm David Glendinning with 340B Health. We are thrilled to be bringing you the 50th episode of our podcast. Since we launched 340B Insight two years ago, We've worked hard to cover key topics and feature compelling interviews. Over that time, we have been pleased to see our audience grow, to hear your good reviews, and to win our first award. And we look forward to continuing to bring you the 340B information you need for the next 50 episodes and beyond. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Our guest today is Amanda Sellers-Smith, legal counsel at 340B Health. Part of the work Amanda does for our members includes keeping track of and responding to 340B legislative and regulatory actions at the state level. 340B is a federal program, but its close relationship with state Medicaid programs means that it often comes up on the agendas of state lawmakers and health officials throughout the U.S. We wanted to hear about the latest developments on that front. But before we go to that interview, let's take a minute to cover some of the latest news about 340B. Federal appeals courts are considering several lower court decisions on the 340B contract pharmacy dispute. As part of that process, both sides have been starting to file opening briefs, laying out their positions to the judges who will be deciding the cases. The federal government recently did so with appeals courts in Philadelphia and Washington, D.C. In those briefs, the Department of Justice states that Congress set up 340B in a way that did not permit drug companies to place unilateral conditions on 340B discounts, which would have been, quote, akin to letting the fox guard the hen house, end quote. 340B Health and our allied hospital and pharmacist organizations also filed the first of what will be several friend-of-the-court briefs urging the judges to affirm the government's authority to require that drug companies offer discounted pricing on eligible drugs dispensed at contract pharmacies. You can find links to the briefs in the show notes. The drug company Merck has become the eighth company to receive a violation letter from the government for its restrictions on 340B pricing. The letter from the Health Resources and Services Administration informs Merck that the conditions the company has placed on 340B pricing are unlawful, and instructs the drug maker to restore the discounts to covered entities. This marks the eighth time HRSA has issued such an enforcement letter. It has also referred seven drug makers to the Health and Human Services Office of Inspector General for possible large fines. You can read the letter to Merck by visiting the show notes. And now for our feature interview with Amanda Sellers-Smith. With several state houses wrapping up their regular legislative sessions for 2022, this is a good time to check in on how 340B has come up in the agenda. Miles Goldman is away, so I sat down with Amanda to catch up on the latest from the states. Here's our conversation. I am here with Amanda Sellers-Smith, legal counsel here at 340B Health, return guest to the podcast. So Amanda... Welcome back to 340B Insight. Thank you for having me. I'm glad that I get to return and talk to you this time, because I believe I spoke with Miles the last time I was on your podcast. 
You did speak with Miles. He's taking some well-deserved vacation right now, so I'm uh, playing him for this episode. This is a very special episode. You may not know it, but it is episode number 50 of 340B Insight, which I guess makes it our golden episode. Yeah, congratulations on you know 50 episodes. That's big. So what has been going on for you since we last spoke, I believe, last spring, a year ago? So a lot's been going on with 340B since last spring, especially at the state level. But for me personally, there's also been a lot going on in that my household welcomed a baby boy. My son Owen entered the world in November. So if you haven't heard from me in a couple months, I've been a little busy. Well, congratulations. I have had the uh, opportunity to meet Owen, and he is quite possibly the cutest little kid I've ever met. And what has been going on at the state level on 340B since we spoke last spring? A lot has happened at the state level. So more states have been passing 340B non-discrimination legislation, which is a really exciting development. It continues to gain momentum. And then we've also seen some state houses in the non-discrimination legislation enter uh, in protections related to the contract pharmacy dispute. And because of that, we've also seen a bit of an increase in drug companies lobbying state legislatures on 340B. So you mentioned uh, 340B non-discrimination legislation. Can you remind our listeners why some states are passing these 340B non-discrimination laws? One thing that has come up for 340B hospitals over the years is that sometimes PBMs or pharmacy benefit managers and other payers pay 340B covered entities less for um, 340B claims because the PBMs or payers want to shift the 340B benefit away from the safety net into their coffers. So obviously we have an issue with this. Uh, You know, we think that the value of 340B savings is designed to go to safety net providers. Starting in 2019, a couple of states introduced these laws, passed these laws, enacted these laws, and now we have 17 in rising. And the Supreme Court uh, confirmed that states can regulate pharmacy benefit managers in December 2020. So we've seen more states comfortable that they do actually have authority um, to regulate pharmacy benefit managers in in this way. Okay, so 17 in rising. That's uh, clearly a lot of of state interest in non-discrimination there. On the 340B side, are all of these laws pretty much the same, or do they vary from state to state? They definitely vary from state to state in terms of what practices they actually ban. So the most obvious is the lower reimbursement. You know, you can't lower reimbursement for 340B providers or for 340B claims. But there's other ways that providers have uh, feared or been approached with contracts that discriminate that aren't typical reimbursement, such as we don't want you in our network because you're 340B, or we're going to require modifiers because you're 340B. So that's one way, vary from state to state. Another way is who the bills apply to. Unfortunately, since we spoke last, you know, two of the states that passed non-discrimination bills excluded hospitals from those protections. So those two states only apply the 340B protections to the covered entities that participate as grantees. So that's a sad development, but a happy development, as I mentioned, that, you know, we've seen two states get into um, non-discrimination practices, not just against payers and PBMs, but against drug manufacturers. So Arkansas and Michigan are two states that included in their non-discrimination packages things that prohibit manufacturers also from discriminating against covered entities in certain ways. So I do want to 
talk a little bit more specifically about those two states. Uh, can you tell us, first of all, what's happening with Arkansas? Because we understand there's a legal challenge to that non-discrimination law. Yes. So Arkansas's bill protects covered entities that use contract pharmacy or community pharmacies in the state and prohibits the drug manufacturers from interrupting the ability to use Arkansas community pharmacies to dispense your 340B drugs. And because of this, the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America, or known as Pharma, um, the Drug Manufacturer Association, they've sued the Arkansas administration in the, specifically the attorney general and the state commissioner of insurance over the law saying, you don't have authority to do this at the state level. As of right now, it appears the arguments will be in January of next year. So it's something we're watching, but we might not have answers on for a while. But then in the meantime, you know, the insurance commissioner has a law that he has to implement. And there's also been, you know, some concerns with that process in that implementation process that we, 340 Health has commented on and supporting our hospitals to make sure it is a safety net provider friendly implementation process. And how about Michigan? I understand that law is a little bit newer. Can you tell us what form that takes? This is a newer law. It's um, February of this year was signed into law and effective immediately. So the Michigan law does not allow third parties to require 340B claim identification. Many of the manufacturers that are restricting access um, to 340B pricing for drugs dispensed to community pharmacies have required these really burdensome data submission requirements. So the Michigan language appears to offer protection against the data submission that some manufacturers are trying to require um, in order for 340B providers to access that 340B pricing. On the 340B non-discrimination front, what is 340B Health and member hospitals doing to help encourage state lawmakers, state legislatures to pass these protections? So one really exciting development is that we have developed model legislation that hospitals can use in states that have not passed a non-discrimination bill. That, to my knowledge, we've never introduced a state-level model legislation. So it's a really exciting development. And it's something that we've, as an organization, presented to other associations. So one in particular is the National Council of Insurance Legislatures, or NCOIL, N-C-O-I-L. And NCOIL is a group of elected officials that are state-level elected officials that work on insurance. And so we have presented to that organization twice on this, and they're an organization that considers model legislation, fingers crossed, hoping they'll adopt ours. We also, just on a regular basis, we work with our member hospitals to inform them on what's happened in other states, things for them to consider in their own states, inform them of bills that they might not know about that we learn of. So working with our allies, creating resources and tools for members, and then also um, weighing in when members ask us to in different states. So, for example, I mentioned there's some challenges with the Arkansas proposed rule. 340B Health submitted comments on that. And so that's one other way that we've been able to offer support to, to hospitals in different ways is contacting the folks who are going to enforce this and encouraging them to help support the safety net when they're able to. And I know we're here primarily to talk about state lawmakers and state legislatures, but Congress could solve this problem, the U.S. Congress, by approving a federal ban on discriminatory payments to covered entities, correct? Yeah, there is the Protect 340B Act, and that would create a federal floor on 340B non-discrimination. 
And, you know, the bill has over 80 co-sponsors from both parties. So it's a bipartisan bill with a lot of support. So if your member of Congress is not somebody who's currently on that list of 80, we continue to raise awareness of this, encourage our members to speak with their members of Congress about this um, to pass that federal protection. Okay, so I think we've covered the ground pretty well on non-discrimination issues that are before the states. Any other uh, state 340B items that you're keeping an eye on? State legislatures, state agencies are always really interested in Medicaid because, you know, it's a really important program for states. It's oftentimes the number one or number two um, most expensive thing states work on, either K-12 education or Medicaid, the vast majority of states. That's, you know, where the bulk of their funding goes to. Um, so obviously, there's always, you know, activity related to Medicaid, and we continue to tell hospitals to keep an eye out for any Medicaid policies that could harm safety net providers. So what are some of the ways in which these state Medicaid agencies can implement uh, policies that might be problematic for a 340B? One big way is through something referred to as a pharmacy benefit transfer. You have Medicaid fee-for-service and Medicaid managed care, and they both have different rules, different policies. So Medicaid managed care reimbursement tends to be better for providers. And some states, for this and other reasons, have looked to take the pharmacy benefit out of Medicaid managed care and move it back to fee-for-service. And what this really results in is a reimbursement cut in most places because reimbursement is then based on actual acquisition costs. So it's a way for the state to transfer the 340B benefit to the state. And so two states that are moving this direction are California and New York. And the New York pharmacy benefit transfer has been postponed and advocates there are still looking for a full repeal. And California was recently implemented, and we have heard that implementation has not been smooth. So on top of operational challenges, you know, there's also just the the reimbursement cut that's concerning. So clearly a significant amount of state legislative and, uh, and I would say regulatory activity on 340B as well. How can those in the 340B community become more involved themselves in advocating in this arena? First, contact us and let us know you're interested, um, and then we can have a discussion about how we can help. So speaking with your folks that do state government relations or your state associations to see um, you know, if they're able to promote positive 340B legislation. And it's also just really important to keep good relationships with your state lawmakers and regulators. Not only because, as we've seen, you know, states can uh, do things that impact 340B providers, both positively and negatively, but also a lot of times these folks, um, you know, the, the state house is the first step on their way to the federal house and that, you know, some of these names may come up um, to be able to be folks that can help us on federal advocacy in the future. So for 340B hospitals that uh, the, the folks there might be actually used to advocating on the federal level and might be contemplating in advocacy at the state level for the first time. What what are some of the differences that you'd want to tell them about advocating at the state level versus the federal level? Your state lawmaker is much less likely to know about 340B. A federal congressperson, that is almost certainly their only job that they are a 24-7 federal lawmaker. At the state level, it is almost certain the opposite. A lot of part-time jobs, you know, only part of the year. So they are likely to 
run a car dealership or be, you know, a local banker, you just have actual day jobs. So 340B does not come across your, you know, desk when you are at the car dealership, right? So being able to do that level of education that, you know, this is a federal program and it's so important to our community, which most conversations are the same at federal level. Use your 340B impact profile. This is why 340B matters. And another big difference is that they're much more accessible. You know, they are people that are in and around your community. So you're much more likely to run into them at the PTO meeting or at your kids' soccer games. And the other really big difference, I think, is that things at the state level can move very quickly and that a lot of state legislatures are only in session for a couple of weeks or a couple of months out of the year. Sometimes that's every other year. So things can move very quickly and being in those conversations just and being aware that something might be moving um, just becomes that much more important because, you know, time is of the essence a lot of times with anything that's going on in the state. Okay, well, hopefully we've sparked some excitement uh, among 340B hospital listeners to to get more involved uh, on the state level. Yeah. For those who are ready to make that jump, what resources does 340B Health provide our members? So... They can keep current on what's happening in their states. We do now have a state policy and advocacy center. Um, So this is a location on 340B Health's website that is entirely dedicated to state items. It includes just different talking points, different, again, that model legislation, uh, a big, important new resource. And we've also added state-level reports. So um, your listeners have probably seen our federal data and research that shows 340B is working as intended. And we've taken um, some of that data and converted it into where, you know, you don't have to look at just all 50 states. I just want to know what Minnesota hospitals are doing and being able to, you know, go and just pull the data for your specific state. And as always, just communicating that we offer technical assistance. We offer, you know, that communication and that ability to to get on the phone with me and talk about specifics of what's happening and what do we do next. Okay. Well, we will be sure in the show notes to have a link to that uh, brand new member-only state policy and advocacy center, and uh, certainly would echo the encouragement to uh, to reach out to you and and some of the colleagues on your team um, if you have any questions about uh, this area or want to get more involved in the states. Amanda, always a pleasure to talk to you about all of this. Uh, congratulations again on Owen and on being on our 50th episode. And we look forward to talking to you again before too long. Yeah, I I look forward to being invited back in the future, hopefully. So (laughs) I'll keep an an eye on my inbox for that. Our thanks again to Amanda Sellers-Smith for bringing us up to speed on the state activities affecting 340B providers. In a telling example of how quickly some state legislatures are moving on 340B, two additional states enacted 340B non-discrimination laws in the days following our conversation. Illinois and Maryland became states number 18 and 19 to put their laws on the books, and a few other state houses might not be done yet for the year in this area. If you are a member hospital with questions or insights into what might be happening on 340B in your state, please be sure to connect with Amanda to discuss. As always, we welcome your feedback and episode ideas You can email us at podcast at 340bhealth.org. We will be back in a few weeks. As always, thanks for listening and be well.
Thanks for listening to 340B Insight. Subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information, visit our website at 340bpodcast.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at 340B Health and submit a question or idea to the show by emailing us at podcast at 340bhealth.org.